Hello and welcome back to the men's room. Thank you very much for joining us. As always, I start by saying, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Men's Room, uh, on Twitter as well at Real Men's Room, and of course on YouTube. Go over and subscribe and hit that bell to stay uh, up to date with our uploads. Uh, as always, I'm joined by the amazing Adam Brown. Welcome back. And the brilliant Zach Barrett. Hello. Nice to be back. Right. Okay. So our last episodes, uh, we reviewed Afterlife season one. Uh, on Netflix, and now we are back with Afterlife Season 2 review. Well, I mean, where, where do we start with this? Adam, do you want to give us your sort of first initial thoughts going into it? Just to recap what we said about uh, at Season 2 in the first episode, maybe. I think with Season 2, we were saying that essentially our perception of it was going to be governed, like our perception of Series 1 was going to be governed by what we thought of Series 2. Right. That's kind of what we went with, I think, which was like, so basically, if series two is a load of shit, essentially, then it's going to spoil our, our perception of series one. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that was basically what we said. We, we were very um, uh, you know, positive in uh, our review for season one, but we did have that hanging over us of if season mm-hmm. two doesn't replicate this uh, season, it, it could affect how we feel about season one. I'm going to start the conversation off by saying that I think it did perfectly, really. Yeah. I thought I thought it was uh yeah, decent decent effort at season two. I don't mm. really think it was needed. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Why? Like, why? I think there was a lot of similar storylines in this second one. I okay. think he said a lot, you know, a lot of the same things. Mm. But um they're kind of all my negatives out of the way already. <laughs> right. <laughs> I okay. really, really, really enjoyed it. Okay. Well we'll dig into that a little bit later on yeah. when we get into a spoiler conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, what are your sort of initial uh, outlining thoughts on it? I thought it was very good. I did enjoy the show. I thought the writing was pretty spot on. And there are some moments in it that are genuinely similar to series one, where it's very moving. Um, but I don't think I liked it as much as the first series. There was a few things in it that I wasn't super keen on. But okay. I thought it was pretty good overall. Hmm. Okay, decent. Mm. I um I absolutely loved it. I think that um I was definitely worried about how it would affect season one, and I, I said more or less when season one finished a year ago, and Ricky Gervais tweeted about uh, being recommissioned for a second. I was very worried. I was like, mm, doesn't need it. Doesn't really need it. And um, season two, watching it, it's uh, I feel like it was quite a nice continuation, a beautiful, as you say, Zach. It didn't really add anything, and as, mm. as you say, Adam, it does retread a few of the similar storylines, but it didn't feel harmful in, in no. affecting season one, to be fair. Mm. Um, yeah, it felt like one big yeah. movie, didn't it? If you watched it, did you watch it in one sitting? So, I, uh, yeah, yeah, season two, that's the yeah. thing with Afterlife, you, it's all very bingeable, every, exactly. every episode. And it, it, yeah, I noticed, I noticed it like kind of referenced something in the last episode, like really early in the next one, mm. you know what I mean? So it kind of does sound like it, it it kind of went on that path of a film because it's three hours. Yeah, total, almost. So. It almost feels like one script that's just been like dissected into the exactly, 20 minutes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah, definitely. I think that it does flow all very well. Uh, I've watched it twice now. I will say I've watched it twice, both in one sitting. Absolutely loved it. So we'll try and keep non-spoilery for this first um, couple of minutes. Uh, the opening sequence of Afterlife Season 2 very similar to the first season. It echoes, I think intentionally echoes it. Slightly more upbeat song, uh, Top of the World by the Carpenters playing. Whereas in season one, I think it was, uh, it was a lovely day, wasn't it? Um, yeah. By the, yes. late, by the late great Bill Withers now. But yeah, this one, it was yeah. nice. We, it, we, we got an opportunity to check in on all of the characters without... Yeah, um, I, I was pissing myself at that opening bit. Yeah. It was really, it was really mm. nice. It went, especially, I, I, I literally watched the season one. Mm. For the, for the first time in like three four months just before we did that podcast every day right and it really does like pro- wow you're like watching it like wow this is brilliant definitely because it's literally everything from season one definitely yeah and uh ricky gervais I've, I've i've listened to podcasts with him and he says that he absolutely hates exposition he hates uh you know with um characters he gives the example of characters saying like oh you know your sister who works for mensa it's like well yeah i know it's, it's my sister of course he hates yeah. exposition, needless exposition. So I think he did that uh, perfectly yeah. in that we're just seeing exactly what is happening. You know, the dad is still about, Anne is still putting flowers on Stan's grave, Lenny and June are still together, 
Um, Brandy is still knocking about. It was just felt perfectly, I know where we are now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, one thing that I had a little bit of a gripe with to begin with is that, um, and this is just a personal thing, I don't know if you guys got it, but there wasn't really a clear indication of how long it had been since season one. Mm. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, now, it could have been yeah. like a month later or it could have been like a year later. It's Absolutely, not yeah. Explicit in that regard. Well, because, uh, and it, it, it could, some people might think it's not important, but it sort of is because it's been a year since season one. So if we're going like that, it could be a year, but it clearly isn't because everyone's in exactly the same place as they were. There's not enough have happened in the script for it to have been a year. It seems like it's taking part about a week after the first series. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, probably like yeah. a month. For because sure. You, a month he, tops. He like go, keeps alluding back to, oh, I've been happy for it, or it might look like I've been happy for a, for a bit, but deep down I'm still hurting. But that, that sounds like it's been about two weeks. I know, yeah. First one. And I think it's sort of important to get an idea of how long Tony and Emma's relationship went on for before they eventually said, let's just be friends. Mm, and yeah. also when, when in the first scene, Lenny walks in, and uh, to Tony's house and sees the, the wine bottle and the wine glass from last night. And he says, oh, I thought you were doing better. But we don't know how long that could be. It could have been three months he was doing better or two weeks, mm. as you say. So it's just a little thing. Um, yeah, that is a weird thing. That didn't, they didn't say how long it had been. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Yeah. But uh, nevertheless, didn't really bother me too much. The humour is still on the ball, still... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the same as the first season, really. Uh, I, I would say it's more bittersweet than last series, to be honest. So it's because the moments are sadder for me, I feel. Yeah. And so the, comedy, the comedy is a bit more bittersweet. So it's like you're, you're crying and then you wipe that tear and you laugh and mm. chuckle a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you guys agree with that. I would agree with you. Like, I think it's, I thought it would be hard to top the first series in terms of the um, the amount of emotional gut punches it throws at you, but it, it genuinely does at some points. I think it, it might be current context as well might have made certain things a bit more impactful. But like, yeah, it definitely, it's on, all, it's on full cylinders, if you get what I mean. Like, it's Absolutely. fully... Cool. 100%. I, I think we're going to go into spoiler territory at this point. So if you haven't seen cool. season two... Uh, Fuck off. Uh, well, well, okay. <laughs> pause, pause, pause the video, spend three hours watching Afterlife and then come back. Uh, don't, yeah. fuck, fuck off temporarily. Uh, <laughs> make sure to subscribe. Um, so, subscribe before you leave. And then come back to later. Hit the, hit the bell button. Um, so uh, let's go into a bit of a character conversation. Uh, let's check in with how our characters have developed and all, all such like that. So Tony, Ricky Gervais' character it's quite clear that he's having a sort of relapse. Yeah, that's the word. Hundred percent. Like he he says, as I just said a minute ago, he's like he said, well, "What was the? I can't think of the wording." He was like, "Well, I've I've remember what it was like before mm. her, which is why I act like it now." It's like someone who's never been happy watching other people be happy and trying to act up to mm. that it's bloody depressing concept. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because with season, that was one of my gripes with uh, when they released about season two coming out. I didn't want there because season one was perfectly encapsulated in he wanted to kill himself. He's going to punish the world, and then he goes on this sort of um, journey of discovery of actually things can be all right. I can be nice to people, and I didn't want season two to either retread that or just have him fine with Emma and be happy. Uh, as morbid as that is to say. But it wouldn't be interesting to watch his character like that because that's not the, the journey we've been on with him. And season two does a good job of sort of keeping that middle ground between he is better, he isn't actively wanting to kill himself, but he is actually coming to terms with the fact that he is not going to be as normal as he was with Lisa. He's not going to be normal again. He's not going to be happy again, which is almost worse. It's sadder. Exactly, mm. yeah. It is sadder. I don't know. Don't know what it is about this series. Uh, the first one, I didn't. Uh, made me bloody cry. Hmm. But this one, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It, yeah. I think it was every episode, mate. That. Yeah. There's well, at least one moment, or the, there's. Um. Cause we're talking about spoilers now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know when he takes the two two girls into the, co the same coffee shop and they have kind of the oh, same uh, conversation. Oh, mate. It's like, it's like separate episodes, but they're the same conversation because he's 
kind of wanting to sell them the same thing. Absolutely. Like a, sto- a story about his wife, and it's bloody hell, mate. When he's talking with Sandy, and they get emotional with each other, mate, I don't know, I genuinely don't know what it is, mate, because I wouldn't cry at anything else if it wasn't Ricky Gervais. I it's don't know Ricky. why, though. I think it's because we're, uh, the three of us are massive fans of Ricky Gervais, but mm. it's the way that he elicits that uh, emotion. You can tell it's genuine, and that he can go from one minute being happy and laughing about it and, and then crying absolutely in the next second. And that's what got me. Cause it's like, you want to put your arm around and be like, oh, it's all right, mate. It's like when he's yeah. jacking up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's you're like, like, I don't know how he does it. It's brilliant acting. Uh, yeah. Like how you can just crack up like that by mid sentence. A lot of actors can't do that. Yeah. It's bloody hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. yeah. Well, you can, how hard is it, Adam? I don't know. Yeah. Trying to, trying to like, I think the thing with this, and I think it plays into the fact that Gervais is also the writer is mm. that he is, this story is so um, integrally linked to him. It's so his story. Obviously, like, his wife's not died, but, like, someone who's very much in love with his real-life wife. So mm-hmm. I think he can, he can really blend the art into reality, which is often the easiest way of doing stuff like that, is sort of being truthful in an imaginary circumstance, is how I'd put it. Obviously, his wife isn't really dead or whatever, but, like, it's so authentic the way he channels that. And yeah, he does that brilliantly. And I, I, I think that's the thing I, I massively took away from this is that Ricky Gervais has got really good at just writing and acting. Like, yeah, there he has. I, I feel like as an actor, he's not often spoken about in the same degree, mainly in part because he's more of a comedic actor. But like, mm. like his career is more comedy. This really does show his ability as a serious actor. But it's it's very very well done i think it's um richard Bates is a very efficient writer because he makes you feel all this stuff in what is essentially a very short space of time he's only giving him he's only allocating himself what about four hours worth of of time to do this three i think three hours yeah yeah so it's yeah like it's a pretty small amount of time to sort of make you feel all of that and that's not an easy thing to do like I think one of the biggest problems with writers generally is being efficient with their storytelling. Mm. And he's excellent at it. And it's, it's a real testament to how far he's come. I always think Ricky Gervais has been good because he's quite bite-sized in his, in his content. It's always been a benefit. But this series definitely sort of amps it up into the next gear. Tony's um, brilliant character. As, as you say, I think Ricky Gervais has really owned that character. None mm. of it feels like... Because some things you can watch and it's like, oh, it's a very um, clear... Overdramatic. Yeah, yeah. But clearly. this is all... And that's why it's so easy to watch. I think it is real. And that is why we do get so emotional and with all of it, because it is real. These are real feelings. It's what real people say. Mm-hmm. What about uh, Emma, the, the care worker, played by Ashley Jensen? What do we, what do we mm. make of her character in this series i personally was slightly irritated by a character to begin with because i feel like every time she turned up it was with last season she had quite important moments for tony she played quite an important role but this one it's sort of there was a lot of retreading of yeah all right we get it you wanted something with him but he is an over lisa like that's we know that we, we don't yeah she does she does seem to be banging on him about that a bit right i don't like yeah. uh, he, he she like his wife is dead of cancer like you wouldn't be that kind of I don't want that. I want you to get over her and then you know how I feel about her kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I know, know what you mean. meant about the annoying bit. Yeah. I was just kind of thinking there going, you, no, you, you wouldn't really say that if, if, you, if people were in that position. Well, even if uh, maybe you, maybe if she would, I, it just mm. feels like it was kept rehashing the point every time she visited the dad, uh, every time that Tony visited his dad, every time it felt like we were having that same conversation. Yeah, he mentioned and, that groundhog thing about yeah. four times in like separate conversations she had the same answer every time i don't know if that was for sort of ironic yeah, yeah sort of ironic with the grand <laughs> day thing um and yeah with the ending uh we'll get onto the ending actually uh, towards yeah, the end yeah. of the podcast but mm. yeah i was slightly irritated by her character to begin with i feel like she wasn't really fill- fulfilling a purpose as much as she did in the first mm. season. uh adam i don't know if you want to wait i think she's quite a good um sort of way of for me at least to sort of talk about probably my biggest issue with this series okay and it's and you've sort of hit it you mentioned it a second ago there's quite a lot of retreading of a lot of the scenes in it are very like Ricky Gervais comes in acts like a bit of a knob says I'm sad about my wife and then we have that scene again and he does Mm. it 
in the same place with the same people. And it is very sad, but it does sometimes happen a little... There's a few too many scenes where I'm like, yeah, but we, we did this exact scene in the last episode. And I think this yeah. is... As much as it's a short <clears throat> series, it does occasionally over overstep in its own garden, essentially. It sort of recovers the same ground a little bit too often. Right. Um, and I think with her character, she's the best example of it. Mm. Like, with the others, there's a bit more, like, you know, they have more plot relevant stuff you know like things are moving forward you know stuff going on like with the paper and stuff a lot of the characters in that plot i think are really good in this series but i thought with the nurse kind of felt like he didn't really know what to do with the character mm. so he just kind of wrote one scene and then like tweaked it slightly like i'm probably underplaying it because i know full well that it's difficult to write it's difficult writing stuff like that but there are points where it feels a little bit too samey and she's the worst i think culprit for that and it's no detriment to her as an actress she's very good mm. but I, I think those scenes are a little bit too repetitive mm. especially for the chemistry that you'd think they'd have for working together oh, very yeah, closely I think, that, I think they do definitely have chemistry and her character's obviously been written in this series to be a little bit a little bit colder and a little bit yeah more and that works but it's just the fact that every scene's basically the same mm. with those two and there's a few too many bits in this series that are like that and I, I get it but at the same time it's like this was my worry with afterlife series 2 in general was like is it just gonna be a complete retread of just ricky gervais going oh i wasn't sad now i'm now i'm sad again oh look watch me be sad and a bit of a knob right. there's, a, there's mm. a few moments like that where it's a bit like all right then we'll do this again <laughs> it's it's not overly but it's it's just moments where it can it can get a little bit great in i think Okay. Yeah, um, uh, I know yeah. what you mean. Mm. Uh, adding on to that, actually, going on to an, a, a different character, we can come back to Emma um, when we need to. I completely agree with you with the retreading point with the therapist character. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah. So, he was fucking brilliant, mate. But, okay, so, Honestly. Okay, so in the first series, he's brilliant because we see very little of him and it's little tidbits of, God, this guy is refreshing. Like, God, this guy's an absolute arsehole. In this uh series he's in i think he's in every episode and yeah. every time we hear him talk i get less and less surprised by what you're saying to the point of it's <laughs> like oh fuck me can we just end this scene already because it's like we get yeah. it he's he's as a toxic masculine bloke he's a misogynist a set like all of this uh, but we get that we get it we know we don't like him we keep revisiting him and he's saying the same sort of things and it's that idea of we get it we get that he's an absolute piece but it's hammering at home each time with no further effect so it's that sort I think, of similar thing I think it would have been like that if it would have been Ricky back in the seat again but I think it's something about that them scenes because it's with the uh, the brother-in-law yeah I just think I don't know I, th I just I just really like them scenes weirdly really I thought they were absolutely brilliant yeah Funny, <laughs> yeah, very funny. See, I like thought the funniest were... bits in the show, really. Yeah, when he's talking about the nonce. <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> well, when he said about um, he was going to start a podcast with the nonce and the dickhead. Yeah. I thought, like, yeah, I've got, I've like, got, oh, that's us. I was like, I've got a podcast with a nonce and a dickhead. <laughs> For your sake, I won't tell you which one's which. Yeah. But, um... <laughs> I don't know which one I'd rather be. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, is it? Um, it's not, not a brilliant choice. But yeah, I definitely find, I thought he was funny, and I think in the because the thing is nothing to disrespect the actor playing um, the brother-in-law. I don't know if it's the writing, but I feel like Ricky Gervais was a better counterpoint for the therapist. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't think that guy. Is the, what's his name? Tom Basden. I, I think yeah. he's one of the worst actors in the show, even Do though he's you? one of the main characters. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think Why? I don't know. I just there isn't any much. There's not much emotional range with him, is there? He's got the same mood, the kind mm. of the whole thing. Like everyone kind of has that emotional like moment. Yeah. Like everyone has that emotional moment where they're crying and has that moment with Ricky. But I don't. Tom, sorry, Matt in the show. I don't know. He just seems a bit one mood for the whole thing. I liked his character. Yeah, I would definitely. I don't know, he just seemed a bit like a dork as well. I know what you mean. He's um, he sort of plays a similar character in uh, Life on the Road, doesn't he? And yeah, it seems like he plays that in a lot of films. It seems like. Yeah, yeah, and I think especially highlighted in the scene where Tony and the brother-in-law 
are uh, in the bar and they go and sit uh, with the two women. Oh Christ! Yeah, that bit. And it felt like it was it was Ricky Gervais trying to rehash like a, a Gareth and Tim moment from The Office. I don't know if you guys yeah. got that. Yeah. Like you know Isn't that moment. Actually... You know that moment in The Office where Gareth and Tim are talking to um, the new girl Rachel. And Gareth's yeah. like, so, so are you single? So or are you single? Or like handjob? And it felt like that kind of. It was trying to rehash mm. that kind of thing. Just that, it was done right. brilliantly, though. The awkwardness. Did you? Right. Did you not like that? Oh scene? yeah, it was very cringy. It's very. Yeah. Cringy, it bit. was. Yeah. It, it was. But <laughs> I was looking at it going, oh, when when they were when when they were saying they're both single. Yeah. When when a show does that, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, that's so cringy. That is, that is office cringeworthy. Definitely. Um, the the brother-in-law is given a lot more to do, Matt. Yeah. His marriage issues are explored a little bit more. Um, yeah, I was hoping they would take an angle where they would focus more on him. Mm. Um, I, I felt that like his character needed a bit more exploration, and I think with what you were saying about the psychiatrist, you've hit on what I think is. I would probably say is my biggest problem with the show overall. I just mm. want to throw it out there now whilst we're on the topic. Yeah. Is that the show goes from being incredibly grounded and very real. And there's these very real human characters. Like you feel like you could meet Tony. Like you feel, he's so grounded and realistic. You feel like you know that guy. Mm. And there's, it's like that with a few of the characters. A lot of people, like they're, they're a bit quirky, but most of the characters are realistic like you know people like that but with the psychiatrist he's so on the nose and i get that that's the point but he feels so cartoonish yeah absolutely. compared to the other characters and i think the show has this jarring thing where it can't i think it can't sometimes decide if it wants to be this like serious exploration of loss and grief or if it wants to do these like quite silly comedy moments and i get what i get it because that's Gervais's strong point but sometimes it doesn't mesh. And sometimes mm. it feels quite quite an odd contrast. And I, I think with that character, he's so absurdly like disgusting. It's like he, he goes from being actually quite funny in the first series, where he's just like hilariously out of his depth as a psychiatrist, to then being so cartoonishly unlikable. It's like, why would anyone ever go to this person? Like yeah it, it's an un so unrealistic the character but i do think in these shows that are so dark you need to have one or two unrealistic characters to kind of bring you back down and go right this is not actually real you don't have to sit here and depressed because you know if you're watching the show and it's just oh, yeah, showing morbid scenes of him saying he wants to kill himself it's yeah. a bloody you know you're not you're gonna walk away from that going oh life's pretty shit do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, massively. I totally get you. And uh, that's I, why I think having that having that character when you're like sobbing and then you see him wanting to rape baby Hitler and saying you're a bender <laughs> if you don't want to do it, that's yeah. fucking hilarious, mate. And he's in, <laughs> right in his face and he's going, you're a fucking bender, mate. And it's absolutely hilarious. But yeah. I, just, I know what you mean, though. It's such an unrealistic person to have a show like that. Because the psychiatrists like that don't exist. Yeah, ever, I think it's ever. sometimes a bit too much of a con trust because so many of these characters are so well explored and they're really well fleshed out and they're really expanded upon but that character is so like blatantly just like oh sometimes people are dicks look at look how we're exploring this idea it's a bit like it's very on the nose and i feel like you could have explored that angle because i like what they do with it where it's like the brother-in-law then starts trying to like flirt with people and he's massively out of his depth I think if the psychiatrist had been more toned down and that scene had been with him, then that would have been better. Like, I feel like it would have, it would have been a little bit more grounded and they could have really done something a bit more thoughtful with it. But it feels a little bit too on the nose, I felt. That's something that I, I would say is a, a detriment to the show. Is that it's, it has these occasional moments of the tone really clashes. Hmm. And I think it's at its worst with him. It's not that bad of anything else, but with him, it's particularly bad. Yeah, I completely agree. I agree with both of you. And um, I think that, that he, he, you do need moments of levity in a series like this, but I feel like he, you could have cut his appearances down to less so like uh, not once every episode, but once every two episodes he pops up for a little yeah. bit. Maybe like yeah. that. We also see um, Lenny a lot more. He's given a lot more to do. 
Um, he's still with June and the son, James. Uh, you see a lot more going on with them. Lenny's given a lot more meaningful interactions as well. He goes around to Tony's house quite a lot and he, uh, he monologues at one point um, about trans people. Um, <laughs> that was a weird scene. It was a weird scene. There was a lot of scenes. I'll come back to that in my criticism. But um, he was given a lot more to do and he talked to uh, Matt about, you know, is he sleeping at the office and offers him his flat. I, I like the character of Lenny. I feel like he was quite mm. a nice addition that we didn't really get a lot of last season. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, they've they've got it on the nose of him again for the second season. I think they should have put him in a bit more because I th- I think he was a massive. I think I said it in the last one. He's like he was a big part of why Tony like turned his not turned his life around, but had that kind of switch up in the last Definitely. episode. Yeah, because of like how nice he really is to him. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I think his his girlfriend in there in in the show is very funny. His son is the the son-in-law is a bit annoying. Yeah, he's like a mini James Corden. Oh yeah. God, yeah, <laughs> fucking hell! Oh my God, that's made him about ten times worse. I oh, yeah. I didn't realise that quite to the extent. Yeah, try and watch no. it again without thinking of James Corden. He's, he's a baby James Corden. He Jesus. Is. Yeah, he um. Yeah, the scenes with him and the mum are quite funny. The scenes with the mum explaining how he's going to die and she's not surprised and all that, they're quite funny. <laughs> when he goes, oh, my husband had to pick, uh, make, make me choose between her, me and the son. And Would you pick the son then? No, I picked the husband to start with, but he threatened to kill himself, so yeah. I had to take him. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. It's just like the naivety and like, she's, she's a bloody dumb character, isn't she? Yeah. Exactly. Which is kind of what it's got, meant to be across as. Yeah, for sure. And then Kath as well in the office, she's given a, a bit more to do. Which, uh, to be fair, in series one, I quite liked that she would just pop in with a stupid comment and then Tony would, like, berate it. Shut her down. Yeah, I kind of liked that dynamic, but Kath's given a little bit more to do. We find out that she fancies Matt, but it, it's sort of... I don't know, it almost feels like it's it, sh- it should have been mentioned more or not at all. It's in that sort of middle ground of not really mattering. yeah. Mm. Yeah, great point there. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it works, I suppose. It's a harmless point. Sandy as well. She's uh, back Brilliant. in. Uh, Mandy Dillon. I think that she's a nice character, but a little bit moany and sad, which is weird to say in Afterlife. I think it's because she's... Well, it's because the, the reason she's kind of not happy is because she's in a bloody dead-end job and she's just hit 30. I think yeah, that's like the sure. whole like narrative, isn't it? For sure. In that second season. Mm. And her, like, being desperate for the paper to be saved. But I, I really like her character. I think she's brilliant. Okay. All right, maybe that's just me. No, I kind of get I get what you mean with that. I felt that she was a little... It, like, that first... You know, the first... Uh, like, the opening scene where it kind of shows where everyone is? And it shows her of her family. I was like, oh, cool, right? They're going to they're gonna expand on her. They're going to they're gonna look into her character. And they, they sort of do, but quite, like, superficially. Yes. It's like, oh, my family's this. Okay, that's all we're gonna ever talk about. Like, it's gonna get mentioned once. The I, I kind of wish they had cut out half the psychiatrist scenes and then given them to to Sandy's character instead. Uh, and that would have been nice. Expanded on her story a bit more. Mm. I feel like that would have been a better use of time because I love her relationship with um, with Tony. I think it's like one of the best bits in the show. Yeah, their dynamic is brilliant, and I was sort of hoping that we would get to see more of that, and we do, but not as much as maybe I'd like. Yeah, for sure. Penelope Wilton's character, Anne, absolutely incredible. Again, brilliant actress. I, I really liked her character in this. She still serves as that um, unofficial the thera- figure. Yeah, unofficial therapist, mother figure to uh, Tony. And mm-hmm. um, what do we think about her finding finding a bloke at the end? Ah, I like that. I, like really that. I, I really like the older man character. Yeah, the one who owned owned the uh, building. I yeah. thought he was put in brilliantly. And uh, seeing the effort that Tony went into to like kind of get these two together, like asking them both separately to come to this, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the the cabaret thing. Yeah. Honestly, it, it does show in this series that Tony is actually a really good person. Went yeah. to deep deep down, doesn't it? Well, he's yeah, definitely. There's less scenes, which I noticed in season one. There was a lot of more scenes of, uh, for example, the last podcast. Uh, I gave the example of the news agents uh, with the paper saying "scarred for life." 93 year old uh, mm. and like, the muggers where he like refuses to give them money there's less scenes like uh, and calling the the fat guy 
mm-hmm. uh, a dickhead and all of that. There's less scenes where Tony does things like that. And there's more scenes of Tony just being a nice bloke and working behind yeah. the scenes to make things happen, uh, which is quite a nice character development for him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think... Um, I think there was. I knew there was not going to be any of them scenes where he like, you know, said calls the fat ginger kid a bloody cunt or something. Yeah. Uh, but I, I didn't know they were going to take this route of kind of they these scenes of him that would have probably been taken up by him calling someone a cunt is now taken over by him doing a good thing. It's kind mm. of like replaced it, like Absolutely. where them scenes would have been in the first one. He's kind of doing a good thing. Mm. And I really, I really like that. I think it yeah, just, me just too. to show how, how great he really is, the character. Uh, Brian as well. Brian, the character, he's uh, working for the Gazette now. Given a little less to do, I would say, in this series. Yeah, you just kind of see him, like, walking around the paper, like, but there's, like, not a scene. Like, he might might be doing him. anything. Yeah, yeah, he's just like, walking around. But I don't think you can have a person like that in the background, just walking around. Yeah. I think you either don't have him in the scene or put him in the scene and make him say something ridiculously funny Absolutely. because uh because i think when he's when he's when his character is in the scene he's bloody brilliant uh yeah. what's his name again brian played him oh david l david l that's it yeah what a man he was brilliant in Derek as well wasn't he he plays that character really well which i don't know if his uh if that's a necessarily <laughs> good thing but <laughs> Uh, so yeah, in in terms of the characters, that's sort of oh, of course the dads. We can't forget the dads. David Bradley playing the dads again. I think absolutely amazing. Oh, he's uh, him, David Bradley's I, fantastic. I think him in the home videos are obviously you don't really see his character that much when he's in real time. But when mm-hmm. they go back to them the wedding videos and yeah. they see him all in like good health and like the dog licking his face oh, when they're yeah. playing cards, others are like fuck. Yeah. Hell. It's sad. It's sad. Way. Yeah, very. Yeah. I think uh the more chat on him to be had in our ending sort of conversation, I feel. Yeah, um, spoiler territory, we can cover that a bit more. I feel like um I quite like to move on to things that I didn't like. Okay. I really I we've touched on it a little bit before. There's a few bits that uh go on for a little bit too long, like the therapist and stuff. One scene that I really got thrown out of the, um, like the immersion was the re- review, the comedy night, the dancing stuff. Mm. That went on way too fucking long. Yeah, I think they they were using like the same shots, but uh, they of like the the crowd, but they weren't doing anything. They were just watching the thing. I know. Like, they kept cutting to the old man, the the, the shot of the, the old man two seats away from the woman. Mm. Like not even next to her. Yeah. Someone sat in her space, just watching it. But and they showed them like eight times, like like not even like a tiny bit of character development of them kind of like looking at each other. Maybe I know. Yeah. Just literally like the, all the um the shots of the crowd were just so boring. Like the the comedy on stage is you know obviously pretty funny. You could watch through that. But then they're just I don't know. They're just nothing else. I, I they, know what you mean about that. They, yeah, they kept yeah. going back to get reaction shots. But you're right. There mm. was no reacting going on. Yeah, they um, were just watching it. They were just watching it. And uh, with, with the uh, Matt being asked by Kath, uh, and then the wife coming back, and the wife saying, oh, "I don't know if I'm going." And then weird Matt, scene as well. Then Matt saying, uh, "Oh, actually, Kath's asked me." And then the wife going, "Oh, we'll tell her that you're going with your wife and child." It felt, I get what is going on, and I get you're trying to downplay it, but it just felt really, oh, all right. Oh, they're, ba- oh, they're back together. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah, I thought that. I thought that was, there was a lot of smoke for not very much fire. Yeah. Those guys, like, it was a bit, you're kind of expecting it to be this, like, oh, oh, this is going to be, like, a, a big problem. They're actually going to split up, like, and I think that would have been a great angle to take it. You yeah, know, like, I, lo- I wanted them to split up. I wanted yeah. them to, like, actually shag someone else. I, I wanted it. To, yeah, I wanted it to be a, an exploration of because this show covers so much like real world stuff, and it sort mm. of goes, you know, it's not all bad, and it it always does that. And I think for someone like me, I mean, I I grew up in a in a divorced household, like my parents split up. For me, that became a good thing. But like, I think it would be good to show that. Hey, like, I think particularly for the the little boy, the fact that it's not it's not really given enough weight. I think like. I would like to have seen the divorce angle actually explored and them actually going, you know what, this isn't going to work. We're, we're going to have a divorce. 
No, and there's no scenes like that, is there? And then there, really. that, there isn't any opportunity for that, which is a, which is a shame because I would love to have, like one of the things I liked in the first series was uh, Tony's relationship with his nephew. Yeah, yeah, same. I was going to say about that. They get like one scene where he goes, "Are they going to split up?" And he goes, "Yeah, they might do." And it's like, oh, <laughs> but oh, is that is that all we're giving that that actually quite drastic thing that would potentially be not just a great plot point, but also be very affecting for a child and also be great to to work with as as a mm. as a writer. I would, I would if I was writing something where I could put in a divorce, I'd be like, yeah, brilliant. This is character drama one I want. It's gonna be brilliant. Mm. But then there's like nothing really done with it, and it's like, why not? Like, very, very odd. Like I thought it was a very odd choice that you wouldn't explore. I get obviously, you know, it's each to their own. But for me, I thought it was interesting that it wasn't an idea that was expanded upon. Especially given the thought that it wasn't really revealed that the brother-in-law was having marriage problems until I think like the fourth or fifth episode of season one. And yeah, it's like the fact thrown that... in right at the right at the last moment really but, the, but it's thrown in as like uh oh shit yeah other people have got other problems we're watching tony but yeah other the world goes on around him people are having issues we were saying in the first podcast about this that we didn't want any moments of season two to take away from season one and i feel like that whole story arc of the divorce the not divorce almost takes away from that moment in season one because it's like well but then we didn't really see much conflict. We didn't get enough. And I feel like you could have sacrificed a few scenes with the therapist, for example, to just have yeah. Matt and the wife bump into a shop and just have a 30-second conflict or just allude to a little bit more. Just to give There's me no some... Yeah, I agree with that totally. First, the first time you see her that isn't in like one of them wedding look-back videos Yeah, is when the scene you just talked about where she goes, well, tell them I'm go you're going with the wife and, uh, your wife and child. Yeah, and and then they only see her again at the show and at, right at the end of the series. Like there mm. is literally no conflict at all. I think absolutely. That's, now, now, now we're all talking about that bit. That's a, I don't really don't like that bit. <laughs> I <laughs> that absolutely angle agree. Yeah, well, I mean the with the videos um, of of Lisa in the first season, the the main framing of each episode started with her sat on the hospital bed. And the, the main framing of this series is the wedding videos of the brother-in-law's wedding. And it's, I get that we're trying to give an importance to that because that's the setting of the past videos. But then in real time, in the present, there's nothing really done with it. I don't know if it's to do with the lack of time that Gervais had. Might be. Three hours, you couldn't explore it all. But I just feel like it was something that I was, I sort of should cared about a bit more, but I wasn't really fed enough information to be invested. No, I didn't really like yeah. the wife character either. Yeah. I thought she was a bit weird. I don't know why. Well, I think she's given enough time to make an impression. Yeah, exactly. She's, yeah, that's not might given be it. any focus. So it's hard to even make a judgment on her beyond yeah. kind of don't like her, but also <laughs> don't dislike her. Like, there needed to be an expansion on that element and I, I think this is the biggest problem with afterlife this series is not that it's being limited with a, a lack of time i think is that the time is misallocated and the focus is occasionally on the wrong stuff mm. like sometimes it will be like oh look, let's have a look at i don't know um the yeah the fucking psychiatrist let's do another scene with him and it's like but none of these scenes actually explored and they they should be exploring his divorce but instead, it's just dedicated to this side character who's a bit of an arsehole. And yeah. we know he's an arsehole. He was an arsehole in series one. Yeah, there's no point it's... in masking him in as a psychiatrist. He might as well have just been, a, well, been a, one of his mates that just said rude, crude things. Making yeah. him a psychiatrist yeah, like, is like, can you just do your job? But I actually kind of want him to do his job in it. You might I was hoping he would actually call him out and go, look, look, you're a fucking psychiatrist. Why are you such a dick? Like, I was hoping <laughs> that then he would get his little, maybe like a little Tony moment where he actually comes out and goes, Actually, you're a fucking asshole. What are you doing? That'd have been a good. That'd have been a good. That would be great. But there, there isn't a moment like that. There's a moment of him going, "I'm going to try and pull a girl, and it's going to be really awkward." Mm. Have you guys seen the office? I think there are all the problems with afterlife. I, I wouldn't say they all stem to the psychiatrist. But <laughs> they, they, they all stem to. They all interlink directly, and a lot of it comes from uh, time management being wrong. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm exactly wrong. I'm no fucking expert, but. I have, you know, I've read scripts and I've performed in stuff and I, I sort of 
I can spot when there's a problem. And for me, it's I get why it wasn't dealt with though, because obviously it is his, it is, you know, it's, it's his baby. You know, this story like it's fully his own, so he can do with it pretty much as he likes. So Gervais hasn't got a a thing where he's got to go. Oh, you know, like he kind of has his own say over his his choices. Um, but I, I do genuinely think that there is a, a misallocation of stuff and it is sometimes given to the wrong people. Yeah, I, th- I think 90% of the show is like well well like, allocated and I, I just oh, think yeah, there, are, there are a, like the psychiatrist thing that like, now you've always talked about it. It does kind of make sense or well, make sense to why there shouldn't really be as much of him in there. But beyond that, in terms of criticism, uh, yeah, the review bit wasn't wasn't funny and it wasn't particularly cringy, good cringe. You know what I'm saying? It was just sort of difficult to watch. It was like, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the point a little bit. Yeah, so David Earl's character, I thought would have been very good at that comedy thing when he came out, but his scene wasn't that good at all, really. It he was, just, yeah. Gypsy, <laughs> Gypsy Mickey. Yeah, but we've heard that. We heard that in season exactly. one, and it was funny, with the Punch and Judy exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was hoping was... they'd bring that back. I was hoping they'd bring back the Punch oh. and Judy thing, cause, and then like do it with new jokes. Right, right. But yeah, oh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really need any of that. And the whole series, it spent a load of time, you know, with Sandy covering it and talking to the director. You know, we see the widower that he went on a blind date with. We see her turn <laughs> back up and do a bit of poetry. That went on way too fucking long. Yeah. I'm glad whole... she came back, though. I thought it was interesting to bring her character back. Yeah. Even yeah. Brief. But I'm glad that was brief. I'm glad yeah. that we got her for, like, five yeah. minutes. Yeah. Their conversation was nice. Yeah, when it, when sure. she was like... Uh, I actually really did like the date with you. It's nice to see someone as morbid as me. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And, it, and that's, that was a nice thing to see. And then obviously after that, Emma texts Tony and says, call me please. Oh, God. And he thinks that it is going to be uh, to say yeah. she's down or whatever. But in fact, she calls him to let him know that his dad has passed away. Uh, that is the next Which scene. we did predict. Probably we would predicted happen. it. I'm, I will say that we predicted it, but we were worried that it would be the crux of the plot point the, the whole series two. yeah yeah we yeah, thought but... we thought that season two would open and it's all fine and then the dad dies sort of in that first episode and then that's the yeah mm. I'm, I'm glad that they sort of left that for the end of the series rather than because i genuinely thought it was going to be we're going to get one episode where you know tony's really nice and we see him like going about his day and he's being lovely and like you know maybe, maybe like fucking i don't know like he's walking his dog and he's just being really nice to everyone and then he gets like, oh, oh, your dad's dead. And he just goes, oh, it's a superpower. I'm a dick. Uh, I, was, I, was ex- I was fully expecting it mm. to some extent. That would have been the very worst way to do it. I think if you look at it, it's almost like the, the stages of grief and then the final stage is acceptance. This series is kind of about that. And mm. I thought that was a good route to take it down. And I'm, I'm so glad that they, they didn't blow their wad on it and go, oh, look, his dad's dead. There we go. Like, it proper does look like that in you, you know, in the trailer. There's that bit where he's like, there's like a little sunset, and he's got him in his little wheelchair, and yeah, he's sort of walking yeah. around. I was like, I was like, I'm like, that's gonna be episode one. That he's <laughs> he's fucked. He's properly dead. Yeah, like he's dead as fuck. Yeah, it doesn't actually um, mention anything about his health until the episode he dies, which is nice. I like there's you like can a, there's like a, something's wrong. You yeah, he's like. like series yeah and as soon as he said is he all right he's he's a bit out under the weather today i was like yep he'll be dead in 15 (laughs) he'll be dead in 15 definitely i agree yeah and uh i liked the it's interesting that tony we get an insight into tony how he works in that because i read um in the sunday times they wrote up a bit a review and they were really um positive about afterlife but one of the comments that they said was that we don't really get an idea of why Lisa would have fallen for Tony because he just seems <laughs> cynical and miserable and things. But, yeah. But but the point of the whole series is that, yeah, he is cynical and miserable because Lisa is now dead. And he mentions yeah. in season he two. He wasn't like that before. Right. Yeah. He mentions in season two that he's miserable and sad. And the worst bit is that he knows what it's like to be normal and he'll never be able to get back but to even, that. He, but I think what they're saying is even in the home videos, he seems to be kind of the same person, like kind of a bit of an arsehole. But laughing like, and joking asked, with can't it. Can't be asked to do anything. Like I think he, I think he regrets not. I think there is a bit of it where he regrets not treating her that well, mate. I think but, 
there's there's moments in it where he, where he I've re, I've re, I think the reason why he's so sad is because he wasn't I don't think he treated her as well as he wanted to. I think that guilt is a big theme that we do discuss in this. You know, he talks to uh, I, I call it heartbreak cafe whenever he goes in there with <laughs> a staff member. Such a really good way of putting it. He, he goes in and he constantly talks. And when he's uh, having dinner with Daphne and he's sat there mm. and talking about how he misses her so much and he regrets all of these things. And guilt is a little bit of a theme of this series for sure. But with that write-up, it was like, well, we, we, I think that Lisa loved him for that. She knew he was a little bit of a grumpy old sod and they would play tricks yeah. with each other, but she loved that. Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. It's part of his charm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In terms of things that we loved, should we go on to golden scenes of, uh, of Afterlife? I might yeah. have that, yeah. Yeah, bits that got us, there was plenty. The I did I, I criticized well I didn't criticize the actual things but the wedding videos we see them quite a few times throughout the series I think that they're really nice I think that you get a real sense of uh, not only Lisa but how Lisa and Tony are together but also the dad you get a yeah. real nice dynamic Jeez. between them uh, and their like sense of humor together and it's a lot more emotional this series in that so in, much more in series one we saw. Tony well up and be sad but in this one he sobs he sobs a lot more and yeah. breaks down a lot more and it's, it's really hard to watch it, it that's, bloody those, is. those are the scenes that got me when he does just yeah. absolutely break down mm. and the video where he's filming Lisa and they're oh, joking, I was literally joking. just about to say that they're yeah I know what you're going to say yeah go on, go on Zach you explain it's where he's the brother-in-law and his wife are dancing and he zooms in to Lisa, kind of just watching them, mm. and she, and she kind of looks over in like in like twenty seconds at the camera, like notices the camera, mm. and gives him a, gives him a big uh, blow blowing kiss. Yeah, bloody sad, right, mate? Honestly, ah, uh, see that that is a moving one. Oh. I, I was thinking of a different one where uh, Lisa is clearly going through chemotherapy. Yeah, that was oh, a bit odd. Thinking and has no. Has no he yeah, go on, Adam, you explain. I think the good thing with these re the recordings of Lisa now, we actually get a full sense of what they were like. And with this, you get you actually sort of see her decline. And then you get that moment where she's, you know, she's clearly having chemo. And then he, he sort of breaks down as he's recording her. And I was Ooh. like, it's so... Uh, this is that thing that I... This is where Afterlife, I think, is absolutely brilliant is when it hits those moments of just really authentic emotion raw and that bit like is raw so, as can be that bit is heartbreaking because mm. you you proper hear him like you don't see it but you hear him break down on camera yeah. Yeah. and that, beautiful, that isn't she? Doesn't got it? me more than anything yeah yeah, yeah. that moment oh, for sure. destroyed me and bits where uh i think well tony and the nurse are talking about lisa having cancer and then the dad says has Lisa got cancer? Oh my god! And yeah. Tony says, "No, she does not anymore." And then the dad says, "She's he loves that girl and apple of my eye and all of that." I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't, I ha I'd hate it if anything happened to her. Yeah. So glad that she doesn't have it. It's awful because anymore. the dad's sort of um, in the in the room, but not really there for a while. But then he does chip in, and and when he reads the, he finishes off the poem, doesn't he? That yeah, Tony's mum used to read. It's oh. little bits like that that are just like, oh, fuck, you got me. Yeah. yeah. Now, what, what was the saddest moment for me? I mean, probably it would be a good way to get, get into it. The last scene. Yeah. Oh. The final one. Which, yeah. like, the music starts getting heavy. Yeah. Should we, should we go delve into it? Absolutely, yeah. You lead, lead, <laughs> yeah. lead the way. You lead the way. So, he, so, he's, so it's clear that there's not long left of the series. Um, he's watching a video of his of his wife and it's like a bloody it's an emotional one where he she links back to something tony said earlier in the series about not saying good night until not being able to sleep until tony says good night yeah and he used to joke and say it last and that but and then she, she kind of said the same thing like you can say good night on this video mm. and then she kind of broke down a bit saying right now i can sleep and then he said good night and then he just broke down yeah, that's what fucking did me. That, and that's grabbed his sleeping pills exactly. Yeah, from the sofa, poured them out, 
Like he was, you could tell he was like, I'm an R and I'm an R and going, and then you could just tell he just went, fuck it. Opened it, pulled about 30 in his hand. Dog is barking mad at him. Yeah. It's fucking intense. And then he gets knocked, knock on the door. And Emma's at the door and she goes, oh, I, don't, I wouldn't mind a groundhog day after all. And uh, he puts the pills back in his pocket and lets her in. Yeah. Mm, that so moment's sad, isn't it? It's beautiful. That was per- My heart was absolutely racing throughout mm-hmm. that. I thought he was going to do it. Throughout this, I thought this might end by him killing himself with them pills. As soon as he got put, pulled them out of the sofa, I was like, wow, I reckon there's a chance he might actually do this at the end here because he is bloody miserable. Yeah. But you, you, Gorn, what was you thinking, Greg? Absolutely the same. The, that music, my heart was racing through that. It was perfect. And throughout the series, I did get a sense that Tony has sort of accepted that he's going to be like this. And there's a few points where he loses. I think there's a conversation with uh, Lenny where they're interviewing the guy that's been putting his um, letters in a dog shit box. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. um, and Tony says, how can he have never had a relationship a light relationship is life or life is a relationship and then then he goes oh yeah and then tony goes i had a good life and lenny says yeah but you still got a good life like it's still good and tony sort of brushes off like "Mm, yeah so from that point on i was like this could end for good and yeah i thought the ending theme was going to be him laying on that sofa and the dog just barking at him that's that that was my thoughts or that was my what i thought was actually going to happen yeah, absolutely. Thank um, God it didn't, though. Yeah, I, th- I think, I don't know, Adam, what's your thinking on the last scene? The I thought the, um, the last scene, it kind of reminded me of that bit in the first season where he, um, he goes into the sea. Yeah. That it reminded me of that moment quite, quite heavily. It was yeah, very, very similar. similar no, that bit. I didn't think he would kill himself. I, I sort of knew that they wouldn't do that. I, was, I wasn't expecting the nurse to turn up exactly, but I was expecting him to sort of almost completely relapse to where we've seen him before. Um, but yeah, that last scene is really affecting. I think that, again, with the, uh, where he's talking about his wife, you know, and the, the goodbye thing. Mm. Oh, mate, that's fucking hard. Jesus, that that's, so... one of the, that's one of the saddest things I've ever seen like, yeah. on I television. It's, again, it's that thing that feels so real. That mm. feels so real, and like, yeah, that that's that bit's awful. That bit's so sad. But Do you know what, Loki is one of the saddest moments. I didn't think would get me Go when uh, um, that hundred-year-old woman, or, oh. or the one, or no, the one that the one that said she could speak to cats. There was there was two really old women that both got me. Uh, the one yeah. that said she could speak to cats, and yeah, and at at the start it sounded like mad. Like, she was crazy woman, but she got into the story about how her fucking daughter and her husband died like within two years of each other. Yeah. And she was like, like clearly like not happy. And Tony at the end of it goes, oh, it's so sad, goes over to her and goes, I'm so sorry about your your mm. brother and uh, sorry, your your daughter and husband. Gabe gives her a hug and a kiss and basically says he's going to put her in the vapor. Yeah. Put them yeah. in the vapor. And it's so nice, isn't it? I was, ho- I was almost hoping she would be, become like a, a bit of a character. I was mm. kind of hoping that she would come into it a bit more, in a way. I was, I was sort of expecting that that would be someone he would check in with afterwards. And I was sort of hoping that we would, we would see him sort of reflect on that and go, actually, no, I need to be better than this. And I think at the end, that kind of gets forced on him. With, with the nurse coming back, I think he's sort of he's forced into doing that, which I think is quite good. Really, I thought that the end was pretty perfect. Um, but mm. I would say that it's we're almost in the same spot as we were at the end of the last series. Yeah, yeah, I agree with like, that. He's got the nurse, and you know, like there's been some upsets and ups and downs, but he's he's got her now. And I think I think it's a good way of ending it. But the first series was it's, again, it's a little bit retready, um, but mm. it's not necessarily a bad thing in that yeah, sense. For sure. Mm. My final thoughts on that ending was that I thought it was perfect for the series. I think it was perfect done, but genuinely this time, that is enough. That's enough. That's it. I don't need a season Yeah. Three. I don't need any more. I feel like that's... Uh, we've retread quite a lot in season two, but we've got away with it, and it's nice. It's done well. It's slightly 
there's a few moments where you can tell that it's a little bit padding and a little bit, oh, fuck, what do we do here? Mm. And I don't think in a third season you're going to get away with that as much. Unless so, they drastically change loads of aspects which wouldn't even make it. I'm, yeah. Which there I don't want. Because yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be Afterlife, would it? Exactly, um, yeah. I, someone tweeted Ricky Gervais saying, uh, if there's a season three, do you know what you're going to do with it? And Ricky Gervais commented saying that he's got some ideas, which oh, right. I wouldn't. I, would, I mean, I'm I'm not going to say no to any Ricky Gervais third series. I mean, I, I don't think any of you two are either. Like you, hmm. I mean, we're obviously going to watch it, and there obviously will be very good moments in it. You know what I mean? Like, will, he's obviously going to make it make it a decent decent viewing if there course, was a third one. But I feel like we've already had more to talk about in terms of criticisms for season two than season one. And I feel like yeah, by, it's, by a big degree. Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it's perfectly fine. Like nothing really takes away from it. But nothing so nothing takes away from season one too much. But a season three could undo a lot of good things that we're willing to tolerate at this point. Yeah. I'm actually yeah. gonna I'm gonna throw something out there for series three. Because me like me and my roommate both watched it um separately but we both watched it pretty much within the same like two days or so of each other mm. and me and him went shopping and we were talking about it and i said to him i was like i don't want there to be a third series what i wouldn't mind would be like an hour-long special mm. like just a, a a closing thing where we actually see he's doing all right i want to see like, tony happy that's the thing yeah. i would like he's, that's, that's I not would... what he is at the moment and he's i wouldn't mind the progression of him what I would like to see would be like a, an hour, basically like a feature length episode of Afterlife, which sort of goes, see, he's doing better now. Isn't that good? And that's all it can <laughs> yeah. be. That, that would literally be it. Like, <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, that'd be decent. And like have it be funny and, you know, close off some character stuff, maybe focus on Sandy a bit more, you know, do something like that. And then leave it at that. Like mm. we see him happy and we close it off. Gervais is no stranger to doing that. He's done that with extras, uh, The Office. Don't know if he did it with Derek, but he's he's definitely familiar with doing two he's seasons. He's done specials with Derek, yeah. Yeah, I think. he's familiar with doing two seasons and then an hour long to close it off. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't... I think that that would be a better way of doing it than a whole new season, for sure, if he has to do anything. I definitely agree. Adam, I wanted to ask you, actually. It's just come to my head. In the first episode we did on this, the review... You wanted Afterlife 2 to explore some of the repercussions of Tony's actions. Julian, mm. the drug dealer, is not mentioned once. Julian's alluded to uh, at the very beginning with mm. Daphne walking past, I think, his little garage bit. But beyond yeah, that, yeah. we hear nothing about him. His job has been filled by Brian. <laughs> Daphne isn't particularly mourning him anymore. I wanted to no. know what you thought. I get why they didn't explore it but at the same time i think that's kind of a problem right because I, I would have been i would have been interested to see what they because you know, i'm not like saying that he's this character is like responsible of like manslaughter but kind of is like he is sort of responsible for someone dying and it's like that's like barely mentioned and i, I find that kind of weird that it's yeah it's I, I forgot about him Completely yeah, that's about the thing, this, though. You the, do, the you forget about him, but I think that's a problem because he, he is very. If he Sorry, if he that, wouldn't if I'm gonna close my window, give me three seconds. The entire <laughs> hell's angel. <laughs> no, I think it's a shame in a way that he's not covered in sort of any. There's not really much acknowledgement of that character. That's not. Yeah. It's such a strange thing because that is that is definitely the worst thing his character does by a mile. If he, would, if he wouldn't have given him the money to overdose and it would have just been a scene in the first series that he had overdosed and obviously Tony didn't give him the money for it, fair enough, completely erase that character in the second season. But <laughs> the guy gave him 300 quid to fucking kill himself. That's surely going to get mentioned. Or surely yeah. like that comes up in your like mind. Like if it, if especially if it's not that long after it happened. Because I don't remember if in the first series he ever tells Roxy like directly what happened. I don't think he did. No. Like, and they're these two characters that were so close, and it would be great to explore. Maybe he's got a bit of guilt about it, and you know, maybe he nearly tells her, and then he doesn't, or whatever. Like, they're super close, but it's just never mentioned. 
Yeah. Because he goes around helping people, and that's kind of like the one person who doesn't help. And like you, you feel like that would that would play on his mind a little bit, but it's, it doesn't really, it doesn't really ever get mentioned. I, I, I feel like I've, I've actually been shitting on Afterlife a little bit here. <laughs> I, I do genu, I did really genuinely enjoy the series, but I don't think it's as I think the first series had this lightning in a bottle quality about it. It hadn't really been done before, but there are certain things where we've got more used to being in the world of afterlife that we can sort of go isn't it weird that everyone's a fucking widower like that kind of stuff you start it starts raising questions like that and it's it's weird but i did genuinely really enjoy it but i do think there are it's definitely got flaws where the first series it's it was so unique at the time that yeah the flaws, if you get what I, mean. I think i think the emotional i think he did he's done the emotional side of things so well Yes. That it, it makes it an amazing series, like where, like whether it's funny or not. But mm. there are obviously negatives to the other bits, but it doesn't make it a bad series because there's gripes we have about it. The, it. I think the emotional side of it is done so oh, brilliant. I like, genuinely, it's one of the most saddest TV shows I've ever seen in my life. It is yeah. absolutely like gut wrenching, isn't it? Yeah. At points. Yeah. Mm. I don't know yeah. how he does it. And like, I, don't, I don't mind if there's a few like storyline plots that aren't kind of like oh, met, seen again. I, I think if you're thinking about that though, then there's like when I was actively watching the show, I didn't go, oh, I've not mentioned the drug dealer from series one. Like I didn't ever actively think about it. But mm. when I look in hindsight, I go, where did you mention that? It would have been, so I, I said, I think Afterlife, you can sort of look at it as being an exploration of the the steps of grief of it being like, you know, acceptance and all that kind of stuff. And that would have been really interesting to explore. And I feel like there's just a few missed opportunities, is how I would put it. There's some real gold that's given to Gervais, and then he kind of settles for some of the bronze that's already easy to get. Do you get what I mean? There's certain yeah. bits. Yeah. Like you could have... Like, when he hits, he absolutely nails it, but he's a little bit more inconsistent at points, I think. Okay. So, with, yeah, with that said... Um, I think now is a good time to wrap up what we're talking about Afterlife Season 2 and try to come to a conclusion on what rating we give it. Of course, Season 1, we gave it an 8, but we all said that, that would be, we'd be willing to change that up or down mm. depending on this season. Uh, Zach, so in a nutshell, how, how would you review Afterlife Season 2 and what rating are you giving it out of 10? I think it's the most heart wrenching comedy if you can even call it that yeah i've ever seen it is, it's very different to a lot of tv shows i think ricky gervais is a fucking genius yeah this second series i think very similar to the first really enjoyed it quite a shitload there was obviously a few bits that you like in hindsight as adam said maybe not when you're watching it but you look back and go that that's a bit bad but the drama's done unbelievably so i'm gonna well, I don't really want to give it the same number. I'm gonna give it an eight, so I'm gonna give it the same number. <laughs> okay. Adam, what are you thinking? Final review on Afterlife season two and a rating out of ten. Right, I think there, like I've said, there is some def. I've had some definite problems with this series. I don't think it's terrible, not by any stretch. I think it is very good, and it is one of the best bits of TV I've watched for a little while. Mm. But it isn't as good as one. And it needs, there needs to be an awareness of that. And I think I can't rate it as highly as I did last time. I think I gave it like a, like a tentative seven, from what right. I remember, or eight. I um, think I'm gonna, You gave it a seven, because I gave it a nine, Zach went eight, and you went seven, I think. So we I, met with an eight. Yeah, we did. I don't think I could give it a six because that's too harsh because there are moments in it that are so good that the bad stuff in it doesn't genuinely um, yeah. dishevel it to such an extent I can yeah. go, nah, this isn't deserving of a high rating. Um, but it, like I said last time, I, where I said the first series is going to be, in my mind, adversely affected by whatever the second series does, mm. um, I think I'm going to... Because I think I would have given the first series a higher rating, but because of now, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with a seven. I think I'm gonna go with seven. 
Because okay, so I, I feel like six is too low for it. It is. Mm, that, yeah. Six feels too low. Uh, uh, yeah, I would six. not have been happy with you if you'd write it at six, Adam. That uh, would have been blasphemous stuff. In my mind, I couldn't. I couldn't give it a six. That would be yeah. that would be too low. Because when it's when it's smashing it out, it's brilliant. But it's it's inconsistent. And I think that's. Yeah, when it's got momentum. Six point nine at, at lowest is like. Nice. But nice. even with that, I don't. I'd go that low. Right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. So the the weight bears upon my back. I <laughs> once again. Once again, lads. I loved Afterlife season one, and I genuinely, despite what I've said, I loved Afterlife season two. I've watched it twice now, and it's. I don't get emotional and I don't think too much about a lot of TV that I watch, but this has constantly made me think and made me emotional watching it. And I, I think Ricky Gervais's writing is uh, it, it's incredible in this. It's a real step aside from what he normally writes up as well. And I, I wouldn't go as far to say, a lot of people are calling this uh, his like peak of his career and his best writing ever. I wouldn't really go as far to say that. I think it's different and I do love it. And last time I gave it a nine. And I'm going to have to say that nothing in season two gave me any reason to go higher, but also it gave me no reason to go any lower. So I'm going to give it a nine out of 10 because it's beautiful. I love it. There's a few issues with it, but they're to be expected and they don't really harm the whole premise of the show. They don't Mm. do too much to uh, distract you from what you're watching. And I feel as though I it's the characters and the script. I really believe it and I love it. And I think that it's one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Still. Yeah. So I think what what you just said there about actually thinking about this is what these make you think about stuff. That's proper real life. Mm. Like this is like real stuff. And the thought, like the thoughts it provokes you with is like, wow. Right you've really got to appreciate kind of everything in this life. People do take it for granted and you're sat there thinking the most deepest stuff, aren't you? During yeah. the season sometimes. And you're like, fuck it hell. I don't, I don't know if this is good or bad, whether I'm doing <laughs> this or not, but wow, I don't know how he does it. It's Absolutely. amazing. So that's why I'm going to give it a nine out of 10. So lads, we've got a seven out of 10, a nine out of 10, <laughs> an eight out of 10, which probably means we're going to meet in the middle and, maintain its position at eight out of ten yeah which mm. i think it's fair i think it's fair i think i think it's 100 fair like as, mm. as you said i don't think there was enough to put the rating down in season two but not mm. there was enough things wrong with it to not put it up if mm. you know what yeah. i mean so yeah that wraps up our conversation on afterlife season two uh, make sure to go back and listen to season one as well uh well watch season one watch season two but then listen to our review on both see what you think do let us know if you agree with us or not afterlife does sit at eight out of ten on the men's room rankings it sits there with tiger king and quiz thank you very much for listening and as always gents thank you very much for joining me no worries pleasure as always next week uh we're gonna steer away from uh, licking the balls of every TV series that we uh, watch. Uh, I've got something very special in mind for you two boys to watch and we'll uh, get a good discussion out of it, I'm hoping. So you've got that to look forward to. And do make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the handle at Real Men's Room. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to us and get the bell to be notified for when we next upload. We upload every week, a new podcast each week. Okay, that's that's it from the men's room. I'll catch you later.